Blog Talk Radio.
And once you get to that page, there's some additional information on there. And there are two hot links uh, on the right side of it. And you can be sure and check out the event information page. That's the info tab. That will let you know uh, where the event is, directions to it, who's hosting it. It will give you contact information. So you can get in contact with the person that's going to be running the event and uh, uh, if you have any questions. It will also give you any uh, any special information for that particular event on that particular date. All right. The other hot link is for registration. And uh, we highly encourage you to register for the event. If you... If you're looking at that thing going, you know what, I really should attend an event. Well, uh, let's see, you know, maybe I will. Or I don't don't get stuck in the uh, in the thing that I would have, could have, should have done. Go ahead and click on the register and register for that event. That will make sure that you have a place on the line, and it will also ensure that we know you're coming so that we know how many instructors to send, uh, the amount of equipment, et cetera. Um, I've told you guys before, there have been several times uh, in the course of the the last few years where an event has been sold out, and because it was sold out, we knew more people wanted to go. We secured additional space, and uh, that allowed those folks to to shoot on that weekend. However, there's no way we're going to secure additional space if we don't know that you're coming. The only way that we know you're coming is if you pre-register, all right? That will help us out a great deal because we're also sending uh, folks all across the nation, uh, planes, trains, automobiles, hotel rooms, uh, gear and equipment. And uh, the sooner we know how many people are coming, the better, all right? So that tells you how to get there, how to get to the event. Now, uh, at the beginning of each show, we... uh, we allow some time for folks to call in and give uh, uh, after after action reports of events that they've just had or to tell their local crew members thanks for the work that they're doing, congratulate someone on, on a PC they just passed on, uh, or on a promotion that they may, got, may have gotten to uh, Red Hat or Shoot Boss or, just, or even just in stepping forward and volunteering to take the instructor ad and become an instructor. All right. So if you guys want to call in, the number is 347-308-8790. 347-308-8790. And I think that uh I think that the call is going to put that in the in the chat room already. All right. So if you guys want to call in, we'll be glad to take your calls. Uh and we're going to have a few folks uh, calling in just a bit to talk about the Self-Reliance Expo. That occurred this last week, well, this last weekend in Arlington. And uh, uh, I wasn't able to go. We got some last-minute uh, <clears throat> some la- last minute illness in the family. And I apologize for not being able to uh, uh, to run the show last weekend. The, the, the stuff came out so fast, I didn't. I had no time to do anything, so I apologize for that. I'd like to find a way to run uh, to run previous shows. If something like that happens again, I'm going to figure out how to do that. All right, so we'll take your calls. 
347-308-8790. If you'd like to uh, to say thanks to somebody or to uh, give us an after action, we're going to take a call right now. Area code 321-578. You're on the air. Area code 321-578. You're on the air. And if I call out your number and you don't want to talk, it's no problem. You can all just uh, put you back on the in the uh, in their queue, and you can listen. Uh, area code seven four zero five four one. You're on the air. All right. How about this one? Area code nine zero seven three six zero. You're on the air. Hi, Scout. How are you? Uh, I'm doing all right. Who's this? This is Fisher Dog up in Alaska. Well, hey, how's it going up there? It's going good, getting ready for a shoot coming up here August 26th and 27th. I really was just uh, dialing in to listen, but uh, definitely want to shout out a thanks to It's a SKS for all he's doing up here for us. Well, excellent. Is he coming up there for the uh, August shoot? Uh, he's moved up here. He's here permanent, so we have an in- <laughs> in-state shoot box he, now. <laughs> no kidding. He moved to Alaska. Yeah, all the way from Florida, yeah. Well, I, Which is what you know, I, I didn't did, know that. What I did 28 years ago, but uh, <laughs> so I know. Well, you know what? He, he, I'm sure that there, there'll be a temperature uh, uh, temperature change. We'll have to get used to, but, but at least the mosquitoes will be the same, right? Yeah, that's about right. At least for a couple of months out of the year up here. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, how many guys were? Let's see. The August, you had the August shoot. The last shoot before that was it? Uh, it was. Uh, it was in April, right? Uh, it was in June. And and we had oh, 28 in- or 30, 30 people on the line. Excellent. All right. And how, yeah. how did everybody do there? Uh, well, we didn't uh, have any more patches uh, handed out. Um, I got a little more work to do myself. so. But uh, we had a lot of lot of good folks there and a lot of new faces on the line. So. And where are most of the folks shooting up there? Are folks... Uh, I- are they, do you guys have an actual distance uh, range that you have access to? Uh, there, there are a couple. I, I, I know Eric is scouting out one for a known distance clinic that he's doing for the IITs, but uh, the facility that they hold it at in Chugiak, the, the Birchwood Range, has ranges out to 300-plus yards, and I think even okay. 500 on one, although I usually don't head over to that one myself. Well, that'll be good. And uh you have any idea? I haven't looked. Do you have any idea of how many people, folks are going to be at the August shoot? Well, uh, so far, I think we have 14 signed up. So I know I've been out beating the bushes and handing out trifolds, looking for more folks to come. And I have a couple of people lined up that I think haven't registered yet. But we should be able to get that line, the full 30, that the range we rent will hold. Right. And listen, what about uh, – when you're out there uh, in the uh, the the Alaskan area there, and you're you're handing out the trifold and you're talking to folks, what kind of reaction are you getting from the folks? Uh, a, a lot of the, you know, a lot of times here, you talk to folks and they say, "Well, uh, I already know how to shoot," or you know, "I don't need that." What, what's it like in Alaska? No, it's, it's real positive. Out. It, it's a matter of competing with so many other great summer activities up here with the folks that I run into, especially when they hear that they could shoot rimfire and bring the kids. They're, they're very interested. I, I haven't really had any 
too much pushback, but I've more been handed out among family and friends and neighbors and probably a little bit less in, in the gun community. Although when I, I go to the range myself, I always keep a couple trifolds in my range bag. And if I end up talking to somebody likely, I, I definitely hand that out too. Well, that's great. Well, I, I, I imagine you're right with, with the summer there, uh, with the windows as harsh as they are, I'm sure that, uh, that folks are trying to cram a lot of different activities into the summer all at once. Well, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, we're in the heart of fishing season here, which is maybe just starting to wind down a touch, but then hunting comes right up mid-August, and, and September is prime time for that. So you're, you're definitely up against those things. But, you know, we're very much an outdoor state, and a lot of people are interested in shooting and those kinds of things. So I think generally an open-minded attitude exists, fortunately. Well, have you tried, uh, uh, like when you go to the gun stores and stuff like that, do you put out the uh, the flyers and the trifolds there? Are they receptive to it? Yes, and, and I stopped in the, uh, the gun store down the street from my house in Eagle River the other day with a poster and the flyer for our shoot, and they were definitely willing to put it up. They've had one up in the past, and I, I see a couple other gun shops in town that have them up. And in fact, I'm going to make up a list in the next couple of days and, and hit the rest of them, so to speak, over my lunch hours. So. Well, don't I, I think forget to good. don't forget to uh, check on the uh, the talk radio stations. I know you guys have a lot of talk radio stations there in Alaska, and uh, yeah. see if you can get one of them to uh, to invite us to come on the radio, and uh, I'll get uh, Bob P. Ten hooked up with you, and and you guys can uh, can do something on the radio. So maybe if you can. Yeah. Uh, Talk to I'll do that. The one, the one main guy in the, in the uh, morning drive time has been around for a while. Is a big hunter and shooter. I I would think he would be open to it, but you know, you never know until you ask. Right. Well, you can also, you know, the other route is uh, you don't have to. You don't always have to wait for them to let you be a guest. You can listen to the uh, the different uh, the different talk shows, and then when they when they have some type of a subject matter that they're discussing that is relevant to uh, the founding fathers or the Constitution and uh, or shooting. And you can call in and just uh, get a blurb in about it uh, that way. So uh, so don't uh, uh, don't overlook that. But see if you can't get, uh, in the next week or two, get uh, somebody around there to, uh, in, you know, in a local station to that area somebody to uh, allow uh, you and Bob to go in the air and talk about the upcoming event. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll do that. Scott, I call those shows occasionally to throw in my two cents worth on various topics. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate and that's, that. And that's what it's worth, too. My, my opinion in a buck fifty will get you a cup of coffee. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's the same for me. So, well, listen, thanks for calling in. Be sure and call in again uh, as a reminder to everybody right before the event and then uh, uh, and then after the event. Call in and give us some information on it because, uh, you know, we're really interested in uh, how things are going up there in Alaska and, uh, and, and we'd like to hear from you guys. So next time, uh, like after the, uh, the August event, uh, grab a couple of your buddies or something and, and get together and give us a call so we can uh, talk to you guys. Did I lose you? Well, I think that uh, I think Sam is talking to him. 
All right. Well, uh, in just a few minutes, we have uh, we have Jim and Kim from Colorado on, and uh, Floyd from Texas, because they're uh, uh, they all participated in the uh, the Self Reliance Expo in Arlington last weekend, along with the uh, the Grinbeck. Uh, event that was going on, and he said they've had uh, they had a lot of folks. So it was a great, uh, I mean, it was a great venue uh, in order to speak to folks who would be interested in attending an Appleseed. So I'm going to get them to uh, make sure they let everybody know where the the upcoming events are, what states are going to be in, and then uh, there is not just the Self Alliance Expo. It's running. There, there are other things uh, that folks are putting on. There's one just all back here in Houston, and uh, make sure that uh, if there's something like that going on, let's uh, get together and let's let's grab some folks and uh, and see if we can get a booth there. Jimmy Kim got a booth at the Self Reliance Expo uh, just by using their their powers of persuasion, and uh, and I'm telling you that. Uh, it's really been going great. So, <clears throat> all right, uh, you can continue to call in, uh, 347-308-8790, and we'll take your calls uh, on uh, giving congratulations to the local folks, uh, doing a an after-action, or letting us know about upcoming events uh, in any of your locations. Also, you know, if you're doing, if you're trying to, uh, if you'd like to plug some commercial venture that you're doing, and uh, and have your apple seed brothers and sisters uh, hear about it and get on it and maybe give you a hand with it and uh, we'll be glad to uh, to let you do that free of charge here on the show. All right, what we want to talk to you about tonight is not part four of making the shot is natural point of aim and positions. Uh, natural point of aim. Uh, you know, we've talked, when we spoke, last time we spoke to, I think, part three, we are talking about uh, inches, minutes, and clicks and how they pertain to your rifle and your sights. And uh, natural point of aim kind of goes in the same click with that. And that is, this is one of those things that a lot of people uh, find it uh, either confusing or, they, uh, or they're in fear of it because... Uh, on, on its surface, it almost appears like some kind of a black magic or voodoo thing. But the reality of it is it's very simple. The hard part is trying to explain it to the, the folks that are attending your event. But but that's really not hard to do either, all right? Just you need to keep it simple and realize that the, the whole concept is it's a very simple concept. And and don't over-teach it and... Be sure and have them ask questions about it. Your natural point of aim is really uh, on, on at, at at its baseline a very simple thing. Uh, it's the position, stance, or posture that requires the least amount of muscles to maintain the rifle sights on the target. All right. The position, stance, or posture—that's whatever position you're in: sitting, standing, uh, prone. Or, or any variation of the above that requires the least amount of muscle input to maintain the sights on the target. 
So how do you figure this out? How do you get folks to understand it or to figure it out? Well, one of the easiest ways is to explain to the folks that the natural point of aim, they've already got it. Uh, the easiest way to find your natural point of aim is to get into uh, whatever position you're going to shoot in. And, and prone is the is the best to teach it in because prone is the most stable position. You can have the folks get into the prone position. You can get into positions, the prone position with your eyes closed. But get into your prone position and uh, put your sights on the target just like you would uh, if you're going to execute the shot by the, three, uh, by the six steps. However, when you get the trigger squeeze, trigger squeeze, you stop. You stop. You close your eyes. You take a deep breath in. You let the breath out. Get back to your respiratory pause. And you normally what I'll do too is I'll give myself a little shake, uh, you know, a little relaxing shake. And that's to uh, dispel any residual muscle tension that I have anywhere that's lingering. Uh, that I couldn't uh, give it a command to relax. I give it a little shake, and then you open your eyes, and wherever your rifle is pointing, that's your natural point of aim in that position for that for that particular uh, for that moment. All right. You'll know whenever you're in the position because you'll be able to you'll, you'll be able to have all of your muscles relax. When you're in the prone position, you're not, there's not going to be any, uh, there, there should not be any, any muscle tension anywhere. A good prone position means you have a bone-on-bone support and that you're steadied. Uh, and once you're in that position, then you can, uh, like I said, you can take a, you can close your eyes, take a deep breath, open your eyes when you get to your respiratory pause, and that's your natural point of aim. Now, what you have to do then is ensure that your natural point of aim and the place you want the uh, the projectile to impact are both the same. Uh, because usually it's, usually it's not. Usually it takes a, a bit of adjustment. And when you make the adjustment, you'll need to make sure that every every time you make a uh, a shift, a natural point of aim shift, you want to do it the same way. You want to do it the same way because what you're doing is you're teaching your body. Now, you're not going to be able to uh, to consciously uh, calibrate yourself. Uh, it's, it's very hard to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm looking at the, the, where the sights are, I'm looking at where the target is, and I see that, uh, that I'm a, foot away from the target, so I need to move 48, I'm a foot away to the right, so I need to move 48 minutes to the left, and it's really hard, you can't just dial that in on on your body, so what you have to do is, uh, well, you'll have to be teaching yourself, every time you do a shift, you're teaching yourself uh, subconsciously through muscle memory on how much movement it takes to move a certain distance, how much uh, your body has to move to move your sights a certain distance. And you need to ensure that your that your pivot point is always the same thing. Uh myself or whenever I'm using the uh the prone position, I'm using my support elbow. That's what I'm pivoting on. 
like you keep that in the same place, and everything else moves. And you need to look at your shooters uh, when they're doing their shifts and make sure that, that in fact, their whole body is moving uh, because you'll get folks that they'll shift that belt buckle over, but the trigger elbow will remain in place. So they've done uh, two things wrong now. Uh, number one, they didn't make their MPOA shift. And number two, uh, now they have uh, uh, they've contaminated. They've 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 messed up their prone position. Now they've got an arch in their back, uh, you know, or a twist in their spine. So make sure that they uh, if the whole body is moving in whatever your position you're in. That your whole body is moving, and then that you are trying that that you are uh, working on understanding the amount of movement it takes to shift from one target to the other. Like I said, this is going to be a uh, it's going to be a trial and error thing when you're first starting out. When you're first learning how to do your shifts, and then when you've done your shift. You're going to repeat your natural point of aim check. You're going to give it a check. You're not just going to accept that you did that shift and now you're good to go. Uh, You're going to make your shift and you're going to repeat it. You're going to to close your eyes, take a deep breath, uh, exhale to uh, your respiratory pause uh, or whatever you're using as your respiratory pause. You don't have to do a complete exhale if you don't want to. I, I just do because it's the easiest thing for me to get to uh, um, in a repeatable uh, fashion. I get to my uh, respiratory pause, which is at the bottom of my cycle. My eyes pop open, and I take like a snapshot of the very first thing I see. Because uh, your your body and your mind, wants, they want to make you happy. So if you you can open your eye, and if you're not quite on the target, uh, a lot of times your body is going to try and help you, or your head is going to try and help you by moving just a tiny bit so you're on target. And you go, okay, yeah, that's good. But but by moving the rifle, you're not shifting your natural point of aim. All you're introduced doing is introducing uh, muscle tension into your position. So make sure you're taking that very first uh, snapshot when that eye pops open. Very first, that's your natural point of aim. If it's if you're on, great. If you're not on, keep repeating that. And I tell folks when they're starting, even even in the uh, the more rapid fire stages of the AQT, like uh, stage two and stage three, that I'm more worried. I'm, I'm more concerned, and, and I'm uh, more interested in them making a correct shift than I am in them getting all ten shots off, right? Because uh, the way the way you have to kind of look at it is that if you have a uh, if you have a rhino charging at you, say uh, you can put uh, you can put. 10 shots out there and shoot as fast as you can, or you can shoot, you could have a a beta mag and you could put 100 shots at that rhino as fast as you can, and even if you've got 100 shots off before he gets to you, i got to tell you that the only 
shot he's going to pay attention to is the one that goes right between his eyes, right? And that only takes one round. So I'm always more interested in the student making a correct shift and then just getting off uh, uh, the the rounds prior to the shift and the rounds after the shift so I can see that they've done a correct shift. Much more interested in that than on them getting out the the full ten rounds in two and three. So make sure that make sure that your your students are getting their shifts correctly, rushing through it and emptying out the magazine. Getting all ten shots off is good, but not if they're not all in the black. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> all right, uh, and. I want to talk to you right now, too, very quickly about uh, about the position. One of the things I want you, I'd like for you to look for is when you're uh, on Saturday mornings, whenever you're teaching the uh, natural point of aim, and uh, and the, you're you're still in that prone position, natural point of aim, six steps area. <clears throat> And especially at the very beginning, when you're setting your, when you're actually setting your students up, make sure that you, as the instructor, are looking at the actual ground that they're occupying. But I can't tell you how many times I've, uh, at least in the very beginning, that's one of the things I look at right off the bat now, their second nature, is making sure that the ground that they're on uh, is the uh, is good ground. And what I mean by that is I've been to a lot of different ranges. Some of them were brand new, and they hadn't uh, they hadn't been smoothed out yet. Um, one of them had uh, several tree stump holes right in the line where people were having to lay. And it looked like they, you know, they pulled the trees out, came back and tried to cover them in, and the dirt sank down. But you'd have depressions uh, back and forth along the line, or you'd have uh, little molehills and stuff like that. Now, once you're a seasoned shooter, by the time they're on, on on Sunday, they should be able to work around stuff like that. But you, as the instructor, need to make sure you've got your eyes peeled and you're checking their position, that they don't have their uh, one or both of their elbows in a hole or that they're not uh, uh, laying on a piece of ground that's slanted down so that their feet uh, are actually higher than their head behind them. I've seen that before. Uh, you want to check and make sure that that they're they're situated as as level as possible, and uh, it doesn't have to be perfect. You just want to make sure that they don't have that they're not fighting something like a hole or a mound of dirt uh, that they're laying half on and half off, or that they're facing downhill or uphill or something like that. Just pay attention to uh, each individual shooter's actual the, the ground that they're actually going to occupy, and uh, do the, the the best possible thing you can to make sure it's level. I would take a shovel with me, and that way, uh, uh, if there are some holes or molehills or something like that, I can uh, I can try and flatten them out or fill in the holes or whatever whatever it needs to be. Or if you need to move them, then move them. Don't have them laying in that hole all day because uh, they're going to be fighting that 
on top of trying to learn all the stuff that you're telling them, all right? And like I said, once they become a more seasoned shooter, then uh, then they'll be able to understand that and work around it. But but not on Saturday, not when they're brand new or they're they're new to shooting, okay? Uh, all right, uh Okay. Uh I'm gonna read you from the what what the uh what the manual says. You guys should uh uh make sure that uh especially the new instructors, but you know what, even the seasoned ones, uh I gotta tell you that I've done a lot of shoots. I've been doing shoots for six years and I've done a lot of shoots and uh I still will not go uh, and teach at an event without going through my notes and reading my manual. I just won't because because I don't want to... Uh, I want to make sure that it's fresh in my mind, uh, number one. I want to make sure also, too, that I'm teaching from the source. Uh, the source is your manual, all right? I, don't want, I, I want to make sure that I'm not uh, embellishing or adding on or something like that. Now, that's not to say that... That you can't uh, that you can't add in uh, better ways to explain it, but you need to make sure that that what you're teaching is what we have in the manual. That you're familiar with the manual, and that you're making sure that you're going that you're going over your notes and reading your manual uh, before the event. <clears throat> All right. Now here's what the uh, the manual says, uh, obtaining your NTOA essentially means you've placed the rifle sights on the target while your body is in a relaxed state. Why would you wish to do this? Because your ultimate goal is to hit the target. And to do this, you need to have the most stable position possible. That's your point of aim supplies this position as no other method can. All right. Uh, that's good. Uh, I think it's a little uh, it's a little circuitous, but uh, that's good. Uh, you want to make sure that, as I said before, you want to make sure that that the folks understand what natural point of aim is. That that, that they're not left uh, with some nebulous understanding of it. Uh, I know. I believe one of the first times I heard about NPOA. Uh, Years and years and years ago was, yep, NPOA. You'll you'll know it when you get it. <laughs> uh, so we've 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 ended up with a better explanation for it than that. And uh, <clears throat> what you're going to do is you're going to have them get into their uh, into the correct prone position, and then they're going to. Uh, do their NPOA drill, and that's where you uh, you're, you put your sights on target right where you think they should be. Uh, you're getting ready to fire the shot by the six steps. However, before you get to the trigger squeeze, you stop and close your eyes. Breathe in, breathe out. As you're breathing out, give yourself just a little shrug, a little shake, along with the mental uh, command to relax. So you're relaxing your muscles. All right, and then you're going to open your eyes. They're going to pop open, and you're going to take a snapshot of the first thing you see, and that is your natural.
point event. And uh, <clears throat> your shifts, one of the things I tell folks when we're doing the shifts is that, uh, you know, everybody's had the the little green plastic army men, or most of the guys have. I'm sure most of most everyone has seen them. Although uh, I saw some the other day, and they were uh, they weren't green. They were like you know almost like a NATO blue, and then red and purple. And uh, I'm not sure really of the uh, the logic behind that. However, uh, you have the the plastic army man who's in the prone position. <clears throat> and uh, I try to show the folks by taking that army man and uh, and putting him down in prone position. And if I move the rifle, I can hold him down there, and I can move the rifle with my pin. When I let that pin go, the rifle pops back to where it was, right? Well, that's the same thing that's going to happen to you whenever you muscle the rifle over. Here's what goes on when you don't have natural point of aim uh, when you're when you're making the shot because it's hard to tell if you're unfamiliar with it. It's hard to tell if you have your natural point of aim or not uh, until you go down and look at the targets because uh, or it or if they're all very good at taking a mental snapshot. <clears throat> And even then, that might be kind of hard because what happens is uh, it'll look, through your sights, it'll look exactly right. It'll have the correct sight alignment, the correct sight picture. Uh, You'll get to your respiratory pause. You'll do your trigger squeeze. And the problem comes now is during recoil. Once a rifle goes into recoil, it has tension on it from wherever you've been inputting the muscle tension. When it goes into recoil, it's free to have that muscle tension act on it, and it does, and it acts on it between when the recoil begins and until the projectile leaves the barrel. So it will look to the shooter as if everything is right where it should be. It'd be hard for it's hard for you to tell uh, if you could look through his eyes. You would look through there and you'd say that looks that looks right. That looks perfect. But you would have to be able to feel the shooter's body in order to understand if he had the natural point of aim correct or not. Either that or go down like the target after you shoot. <laughs> but you'd have to be able to feel the muscle tension wherever it is, and it, it doesn't have to be just in the fingers the hands or or uh, uh, in the arms. It could be anywhere. That muscle tension can be anywhere that's exerting itself in order to muscle the rifle to the target. And once you go into recoil, you're, you've got that fraction of a second where the muscle tension uh, is allowed to uh, interact with the recoil to bring the rifle sights off of the target before the projectile leaves the barrel. All right, and that causes your group to expand down range. Now it's very easy uh, to see by looking at the target. Somebody uh, on the uh, on stage three, if you're looking at the first target, and they've got the uh, first three rounds on that first target are a nice tight group in the black there, and then you get to the second target, 
and the rounds have expanded so that they are still like in a circle around the target, but none of them are in the black. And then you get to the third target, and uh, you'll have uh, maybe two rounds uh, uh, way low and then two rounds that are off of the paper, right? So if you look at that target, that would be a fairly easy thing to diagnose, right? Looking at the target, you see that in the first nice tight group, and then you see it opening up, and then on the third target, you see it to continue to open until their group is like a you know a, a ten or fifteen minute group. <clears throat> All right, so that is a problem with uh, when you're when when you're getting folks to understand why it's affecting. Uh, the shot that they're taking. Because to them, it's going to look like it's correct. Everything is going to look right until they go into recoil. All right? Now, I know that we've done, uh, in the past, we've done quite a few, we've kind of done quite a, uh, a lot of different drills uh, on this. And I'm going to make sure that uh, I'm checking the, I'm checking the, uh, here. All right. uh, we've done a lot of drills on this, and that, that includes the drills like uh, uh, having folks uh, get their natural point of aim uh, on the target and then closing their eyes and firing one round uh, at, their, uh, uh, at their respiratory pause for five rounds. And, uh, and then watching how tight the group pulls in. Uh, whether it's on target or not is not as important as for them to see how tight the group pulls in uh, while they were shooting with their eyes closed. Now, I know that at one point uh, on the master instructor board, we were discussing the, the ramifications of telling people to shoot with their eyes closed, uh, which seems like a logical thing when you're down there teaching it and stuff, but... Uh, but a jury might not be as understanding, especially if they have non-shooters on there, and they say, well, the guy was, he told us to close our eyes and start shooting. Uh, but that was one of the ways that we checked it. Now, you can also do the same thing by by carding their sights. That's how you help people uh, check their natural point of aim, all right? Because a lot of people, they'll try and fudge through it or something else. And so you get them in a position, you tell them to put their sights on the target, go through the six steps, but right when they get to the point where they're going to shoot, you tell them to stop. When they do, you put the card in between their eye and the sights. You have them breathe in, breathe out, and you're, since you're not having to look down range, you can watch their chest, watch their they rise and fall of their chest, so you can see if they're actually getting to where they should be. If they're actually pausing, if they're doing it uh, at the bottom of their cycle, and then when they're ready, you pop that card off, you go, all right, your sight's on target. And most of the time they'll say no. And you say, all right, move them on to the target again. And you keep doing that until you've refined them, uh, refined their shot. And I do this a lot with a lot of new shooters in stage four because there's plenty of time. And I'll do that with them on each shot uh, to help improve their score and also to try and teach them uh, how important it is for them to have their natural point of aim when making the shot. All right, uh, we're going to take a break for a second, and we're going to talk to uh, uh, some of the folks uh, who were at yeah. the uh, 
Well, yeah, stuff for life. Thanks, folks. Yeah, Jim right. and Kim, you guys, yep. uh, welcome to the show. Hi there, Joe. Oh, Hang on. You guys doing okay this evening? Yes. I'm doing well. Out in... But are you you having to strangle some farm animals? <laughs> no, we're at a 25th wedding anniversary party, and I was in talking to folks waiting for us to come on, so it was a little noisy in there, but I'm outside again. Oh, okay. So he's right, out well, in the rain. Welcome to the show, guys, and I'd like to, uh, I'd like to tell everybody uh, how much I appreciate what you guys are doing, because guys, Jim and Kim, this isn't like a one-time deal with them. They've, they're at a point in their life where they can... Uh, they can devote some time to this, and uh, and they have been. They've been going on the road doing these events, uh, and uh, they've been done a great job. They've got a really slick uh, show that they've put together. And uh, tell us about the, this, the show this last weekend. Okay. Well, this last weekend we were down in Arlington, Texas, which is outside of Dallas. I didn't know that until this show. Uh, and we were... Uh, Glenn Beck had his Restoring Love Conference, um, and Glenn Beck had asked the, the group that we do some shoots with, some pellet gun shoots actually, to participate in his Restoring Love. And because the Self-Reliance Expo was down there, they asked us to again come put up a, a booth at the Self-Reliance Expo. So we did that. We have a pellet gun line, have five pellet guns. We let kids and adults and Anybody who wants to shoot pellet guns, and while they're doing that, we talk with folks. And this uh, expo had an attendance somewhere around 15,000 unique folks. Some of them came two days. And I'd say we talked to darn near half of them. I have, it's so hard to know how many people you talk with and uh, just because you're always talking with folks and all the other instructors are talking with people. And we can't set somebody aside to count. You, you count the, the number of people we're talking to. Uh, so we don't know that. Right. Uh, we, gave, we gave out about 1,500 to 2,000 trifolds, uh, somewhere around 700 constitutions that were donated to us. Uh, so anyway we, we ta- anyway, we talked to a whole bunch of folks about Appleseed, had a lot of folks shoot pellet guns with us. And uh, for, uh, from our point of view, it was a very, very successful for Appleseed to be at this expo. Right, and uh, and we're bringing another uh, young man on the phone with us, Floyd Ferguson. He was there with you guys. Floyd, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Michael. I appreciate particularly the adjective young. <laughs> the young man, yeah. <laughs> the young man part, that's, that made my well, evening, let talking, me tell you. I, I was talking to you, Floyd, uh, uh, yesterday, I guess, about it, and... Uh, and then I saw the stuff that uh, the email that you guys have been sending back and forth when I checked my mail yesterday. And uh, uh, I want you guys to talk a bit about the fact that uh, that the folks that were attending this event, uh, they, every all, all of the all of the non-hackers had already been weeded out, right? And uh, the folks that were attending this event were the ones that were ready to hear the apple seed message. Well, I'll tell you, I had something happen. I mean, I've worked a lot of trade shows. I mean, I had something happen Saturday I've never had happen. I was getting ready for a mile break, walking across the convention floor, way out of the outside the booth, 
almost to the doors, and I get this woman, and she, like, makes a beeline for me, makes eye contact. Of course, I've got my little, my dress red hat and my green polo and my khakis, so i got my booth uniform on. She she heads right straight for me, grabs my hand, and says, I enjoyed talking with you so much. Thank you for what you're doing. God bless you. I've never had that. I mean, I've never had that kind of response on a, I mean, outside the booth. I mean, Appleseed really seemed to resonate with these people. Wow. Well, Jim and Kim, you guys have done it in a couple of other states. What is your, if you were to compare any of the other states to the, uh, the two events you've done now in Texas, is there, uh, do you see any difference in it? Jim, you there? Yes, you still there? got a lot of static. Yes, I am. It's going in and okay. out, though. I'm hanging in. Okay. Right. okay. Can you hear us, Scout? Yeah, I got, got you now. Okay. Um, did, you, did you hear what, my show, question? Yeah, I heard your question, and then okay. you got a whole bunch of static. Um, I think Floyd was the one that made this observation, is that a whole bunch of people, I would say a third of the people at this conference, had heard, already heard of Appleseed. And they maybe didn't know what it was about or weren't, uh, weren't quite clear what we were about, but they had already heard of us and were interested in hearing more. In most conferences, uh, these expos that we do, a good number of people um, have never heard of Appleseed, and they, are, uh, they're will, they sure want to hear about it because it, it, it's something absolutely new to them. Whereas in this conference, a lot of the folks had already heard about it and still wanted to, to find out more information. And so, again, it's real hard to know. It could be that all the years of promoting are paying off, or it could be because most of these people had um, are of a particular uh, – most of them were of a particular mindset anyway, being at the Glenn Beck venue, that maybe they had, uh, had more opportunity to hear about Appleseed, but – but a whole lot of people had already heard of of Appleseed, and that was a bit different. It was well, it was hugely. I've been it was on the. Huge, uh, go ahead, go ahead, Floyd. It was hugely different from February in Mesquite. You know, in Mesquite on Saturday, nobody that I talked to had heard about Appleseed. Like like Jim says, about a third of the people have you heard about Appleseed? Yes. You know, and I got a lot of people from Ohio and California and Florida and Idaho. Where do I sign up? I mean, you kind—they of, they don't have a good idea of what we're doing, but you kind of go through the two-day thing, and it's where do I sign up? I mean, the the, the brand recognition at this show was absolutely there. Well, you know, I've I've, I've tried my hardest uh, to make the circuit on all of the uh, prepping. Uh, forums and uh, the prepping radio shows. Uh, Jack Spierko was there at y'all's uh, event this last weekend. Now, I've been yep. on his show twice, and I'll be back on his show again on uh, in September. And I've had him on the Appleseed show a couple of times. He's got a, he's got a very large audience. And, uh, and I've been on several other uh, prepping radio shows and forums because of the fact that these are the folks that are, they're ready. They're ready to hear this message. Uh, like you were telling me, like you were saying uh, yesterday, 
you said a lot of folks said, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard about that, uh, and uh, where do I sign up? And exactly. that's because this, for them, it's not a uh, it's not a gun culture thing. It's, they don't have, there's nothing in between them and taking a, a rifle class. And a lot of the, the gun culture folks, they, they hate to do it because uh, either they've been to a course before and it was a baby course, or they think apple seeds a baby course, or or they're afraid it's not a baby course and they're going to look bad, on and on, any of those things. Whereas the preppers are saying, look, I, I need this. This is on my list of things to do. Get rifle, learn how to shoot rifle to take care of family and uh, friends. And uh, and so I'm I'm really hoping that this is going to this is going to provide a big shot in the arm. You guys, did, did y'all work on any way to uh, uh, any way to be able to like tabulate the data from this? Have y'all forgot any way to do that yet? Uh, anything so that uh, so that when folks show up in, at an event uh, and I ask them on Saturday, I, uh, now the folks have already heard about Appleseed some other place, but I'd like to find out how many people that you guys interacted with and that you guys were just, you, you guys were what it took to flip the switch and get them to attend an apple seed. I wonder if there's any way we can figure out how to do that. What we do... Yeah, yeah. What, yeah, what we do at a shoot... It's hard to know who's going to talk next. Uh, what we do at a shoot is we ask, uh, especially if, uh, like when they did the expo in Colorado Springs, where we are, we would ask, how many of you heard about the expo at the uh, heard about uh, Appleseed at the expo? Or we did a homeschool conference. How many people heard about it at the homeschool conference? And that's the only way we have any idea where folks uh, came from. How they they finally decide, what finally got them to decide to come to an Appleseed. Um, right. But there's well, if, if we had a way to track it, that would be wonderful. I just and if you have any ideas, you let me know. But I just don't know how yeah. to do that. The only thing I could figure out is uh, is if if and the reason we would do this is a tracking device. Like give them a five or ten dollar off certificate, or mm-hmm. give them a certificate for one extra T-shirt, or I don't know something like that that they can turn in. Uh, and the only reason we'd be doing it is as a uh, as a meter to check. On promotions, it's not like uh, there's going to be 25,000 people that show up and demand their extra T-shirt or something like that. Uh, right. uh, it would be great. It'd be great if they would, and if they did, if they had 25,000 people showed up and demanded two T-shirts, I'd be more than willing to give them two T-shirts <laughs> if they showed up from that. But but if we could get some way to figure it out, yeah. You know, last time uh, we were there at Mesquite, uh, the only way I knew of, of doing it was I handed out uh, about 40 cards with my mm-hmm. personal card on there. And what I told them was, I said, look, if you guys are serious about doing this, about coming to an event, then here's my card, and what I'm going to offer you is uh, at the Davila location, I'm going to offer you to uh, teach, instruct you for free. But you'll have to show up. You'll have to, uh, uh, you know, personally contact me uh, because uh, I want to. I wanted to know how many of them – uh, that this was a thing that flipped their switch. Now I had two people so far from uh, from the Mesquite event uh-huh. that have taken me up on the offer. Uh, I don't know if, if any of them. There were people from all over. There were people that weren't near Davila. So I don't know if they went some other place or, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I wish I did. 
because, uh-huh. like I said, I think that that a lot of the work that that we would have to do to narrow down the target audience in order to get this information in the hands of the people who are most likely to use it has already been done by the fact uh, that the of the venue that they're attending, you know. So, right. and you said this one was much larger than the Mesquite one, so I'm really looking forward to. I'm really looking forward to see the effects of this because it's got to be, it's got to be good. Now I've, I've been on the, the uh, uh, ABC, CBS, NBC stations in uh, in Texas, and uh, and I've done everything I can to get the the name out there in front of folks. So I'm sure some of it is from that because I've I've heard that quite a bit. As they say, yeah, we saw you mm-hmm. on the on the CBS News, or we heard about Appleseed there, or we read about it in a certain paper, et cetera. Right. But I would like to know how much, um, uh, you know, how much the one-on-one, uh, you, Jim, standing there, or you, Kim, uh, pressing the flash and talking to the folks, how much uh, how much more uh, footage that gets us. By the way, do you guys take some uh, those candy wipes to sanitize your hands? <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> Kim, Kim supplies those. <laughs> I do. It's part well, of I told you before that was one of my phobias. It's shaking everybody's hands, and they're good people. I, it's nothing against them. It's just my own personal phobia. After I shake fifteen or twenty hands, I start getting feeling creepy. So, well, it, it really sounds is, great. It really is amazing how many people do want to shake your hand, though. They so appreciate what we're doing. And what we're about, oh, yeah. and the message we're trying to yeah. get out. They're so appreciative, and they get. Yep, they I think do. they're a bit stunned about it. You know, they see the pellet rifles there and don't know what we're about, and then they find out we're about saving the country, and they're um, surprised. Well, I tell you, go ahead. The, the 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 pellet rifles were amazing. I mean, because Jim's idea is, let's see if we can get everybody here in the convention to shoot. <laughs> he, he 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 pretty much succeeds. We had George Washington shoot. <laughs> we we had we had kids we had kids all the way down to four and five, but the most it was it was just absolutely astonishing for me to watch because you know five six seven eight up to twelve and thirteen right in that range I mean that's the primary real estate, and most of these kids have never shot a rifle right, they've right. never shot anything and they come in here you know we do the safety briefing we kind of go through the sight alignment then. We have one guy sitting down on the line, kind of step them through, put the pellet in. You know, here's how you charge the rifle. Here's how you take. Well, here's how you take the chamber flag out, put the pellet in, charge the rifle. Kind of go through the first thing. And the amazing thing is that by the fifth pellet, and we only give them five pellets. By the fifth pellet, those kids are in a rifleman's bubble. They're interacting with the rifle. They're learning marksmanship. And a lot of them are coming out and saying, Mom and Dad, we are going to an apple seed. It's astonishing. I mean, it was just this, I mean, it was astonishing watching these kids get in that bubble at the end of five pellets. And, I mean, well, this, this well, is yeah, the, and, and we saw that last, uh, at the last event, at the and my kudos to my congratulations to you, Jim, and you to you, Kim, for the the Pelagat ideal because I think it's sheer brilliance. Now, of course, it made my jaw drop when you guys first told me what you're doing. We're setting up the indoor uh, shooting range right here in this convention center, well, you know, with thousands of people walking by. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, 
should I be handing out safety glasses or something like that? Because <laughs> uh, I didn't see, I didn't know how you were going to do it. But I was thinking, I right away, I was thinking, oh, there goes an eye. And uh, but the scout, the, scout the it was right. get a rifle in their hand is just there, there's no there's no uh, there's no beating that you know. Yep. Kim has a story. But first off, is it wasn't our idea. It was Scott who runs the uh, the Self Reliance Expo, who said. Can you have a pellet gun line next time? And we said, you don't know how to do it, but sure, we'll be there with one. But Kim, uh, Floyd was talking about the kids, how it, it, it changes them within five pellets. Kim, why don't you tell them about Spencer? Spencer. Um, a man came by with a little boy named Spencer, and he wasn't the father. He was either the, the, the dad's friend or maybe the little boy's uncle. And he said he's really scared that it's not safe. Can you talk to him? I said, sure. So I got down on his level, and the tears were just racing down his cheeks. He was terrified. And I put my hands on his shoulders, and I just talked to him and said, it's safe. I promise you it's going to be safe. I'd be on the other side of this room if it wasn't. I promise you when you get done, you're going to have the biggest smile on your face because this is going to be the most fun you've had all day. Just kept talking to him. They got over to the registration table, got the paperwork done, and I put some safety glasses on him, which steamed up immediately because of all the tears. But anyway... Um, I let him watch what was going on. Said, "See, they're showing you exactly what to do. See, it's safe." And and just kept talking to him. And I asked Jim if I could pass him off to him when it came time to shoot. So um, I just stayed right with Spencer as he got his safety briefing and the sight alignment, sight picture, how to use the pellet gun. And then Jim got down with him on the line, and he takes one shot and he yells out, "I think I got it!" He was so excited. All the fear was gone. And when he came out of the booth after his five pellets, he was jumping up and down and raced over to his dad, who was there by then, with his red coat. And he had actually hit the paper, I think, every time. And the dad said, well, then we can practice in the yard. And Spencer's just jumping up and down and so delighted. And it's like, you know, wow. we turn on shooters into shooters. You know Changed how much him. of an impact you had on that guy, Kim? Yeah, that's, I know. It was that's amazing. a tremendous impact because you you – he he could have had something else. He could have had, uh, you know, his own Floyd and in the twelve gauge and saying, "Here, you shoot this boy, you sissy, or whatever," and and he does, and then that's it. He's never going to touch a rifle again. And instead, right. he got he got the perfect introduction to it, and uh, and that's just great because you know, I'm sure that because I've seen the faces, you know, from the look on their face, that they're going to associate shooting the shooting sports with fun and with safety and uh, and that you've changed their life. It's an we amazing another... thing that we get to touch people like that all the time at shoots. It's just really it's a blessing to be involved. Well we had we, a, had, we one... had a we had we had one family and uh after the kids shot they were pretty much convinced dad that they were gonna be stopping by uh, Academy or uh, Cabela's on the way home and buying a twenty two on their way to their next apple seed. Did they let you guys have rifles at this one? I mean, we had rifles on display, yes. For display. For okay. display. I had one. Okay. Uh, he was about 10 years old, and he had his younger brother who was made gay, and they were standing looking at the rifles we had on display. And so after a little while, I just it over to him, and I asked him um, if they'd done any shooting. He said, yeah, I shoot. Uh, we shoot some. And I said, you know what rifles those are? And he says, yep, that top one's a Garand. And I was pretty impressed with that. And that's an AR, and 
and he thought the next one was a, a 1022. It happened to be a Savage, and then I did have a 1022, and he, he identified all of them. And I said, I'm impressed that you knew um, that that was a Garand. And he looks at me and kind of smiles, and he says, the Garand's my favorite rifle. And yeah. so you have to spend a kid, who, a 10-year-old, whose favorite rifle is a Garand. And so I asked him if he'd ever held one, and he said, I told him, you know, make sure you keep it pointed at the wall and let him pick it up and see how heavy it was and look through the sights, and he was just thrilled that he got to touch a grand. See, I know that feeling because that's, I had a, you know, a similar thing at a gun show, and uh, and I'd never held a grand before, but my G.I. Joe had a grand. And, uh, yeah. I, I, I was just, <laughs> that's probably one of the reasons I have such an emotional attachment to my, my grand. My G.I. Joe had one. And uh, the guy let me hold the Garand, and uh, it was just, it was another world. Of course, I also got to hold the Thompson and the Grease Gun and everything else, too, but the, the Garand was the was the best part of it. And I still remember that. It's like yesterday to me, you know? And this kid will probably remember it, too. We had another woman who was in a wheelchair. Ends up, she was 70 years old. Um, and she was at the booth next to us. And when she, it looked like she was in there, I asked, I walked over and tapped her and said, do you want to shoot with this? And she got a smile on her face, absolutely. And she says, I haven't shot in 20 years. And no, she said, no, I haven't shot in 50 years since I was uh, 20 years old. That's how I figured she was 70 if my mouth was. <laughs> and so we rolled her on over. And I don't remember. I guess Tim worked with her. I don't remember who it I was. Think, anyway, I think the, it was Tim mostly. Yeah, it, was, it was Tim. Yeah. And set up, you know, we got some boxes and built up a rest so she could rest the rifle on something. And she shot her five pellets and had a great time. And she said, I'm from uh, from uh, the Berkeley area in California. Uh, where can I go to a shoot? And I said, well, the closest one I know is Castro Valley. Because that's close enough. I'm going to go sign up for that. So, unfortunately, I didn't get I didn't get her contact information, but hopefully she'll sign up and have a great time at a Castro Valley shoot. That's something I was going to ask you. Uh, last time, uh, I you guys had the ability last time. I just it's hard for me to remember if they, if anybody actually signed up at the last event. Do you guys remember? Did they sign up at this oh. event? Were you able to put them on the computer and get them to sign up at this event? No, we there was there were some space limitations in this and 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 so we 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 weren't able to do the online signups the way we were doing in February. But a lot and of the people we had I don't believe there was a connection there. Right. Because they were selling that for about three hundred dollars. Yeah, I was going to say I remember reading that in the uh, the vendors saying that uh, those lines were expensive. Yeah. Well, if you gave them. Uh, if you gave them the uh, the roadmap to it, I've got the the roadmap that I hand out to the guys here, which is uh, the website. You know, it's just a A B C D. The website, the Apple tab, the schedule. Uh, you know, so that so that if it was somebody like me, I'd be able to do it. I'd be able to follow the directions. You know, and get to the the sign up page. Maybe uh, maybe some photographs of folks uh, from the AARs and stuff. You know, we've got quite a few folks uh, in the, uh, what is the Adaptive Appleseed, Adaptive Appleseed program. 
maybe some photographs uh, up on the on the table showing uh, you know some of the folks uh, that are in adaptive apple seat shooting. Uh, you know, the folks uh, shooting in wheelchairs or bench rests or or you know stuff like that. Maybe something like that would would work at some of them too. You know. So heads up is even though we think we do a pretty good job at putting the booth together, that even if we stood there in an empty booth with pellet guns, people would flock to us. Uh, right. I don't know that it, it, it's just, it's like we were talking earlier, it's just the people who show up at these self-reliance things want to learn stuff. They're, they're already in the mode, like you were saying, I want to learn how to shoot, how do I do that? And we're there, and golly, we know how to show them how to shoot. But uh, well, yeah. I would agree that the more, uh, some like the, uh, Kim also talked to another woman in a wheelchair, and she was thrilled that we would go out of our way to allow folks to do adaptive, as we would call them, folks with special, uh, either physical or whatever issues they have, where they uh, they can come shoot with us, and we do everything we can. We can't always do what needs to be done, but we do everything we can to accommodate them. And she was just just excited that we uh, uh, would do that. Right, right. And I, you know, I get the you get folks all the time. Uh, I do anyway when they they'll call or they'll email me and say, "Look, I'd really like to." Matter of fact, I got uh, two guys I just spoke to uh, yesterday. I'd really like to come, but uh, either I, either they're uh, older. And messed up, or you know, even some of the younger people that uh, have been messed up, uh, the uh, uh, some of the Desert Storm or the Iraq or Afghanistan folks uh, or Vietnam or even Korean World War II guys that have been shot up and messed up, and they say, "Look, we'd really like to come, but I'm not going to be able to get in the phone. I'm not going to be able to do this or that." And I always make sure to tell them that, "Look, if you show up with a teachable attitude, then we're going to we're going to get you in the line. We'll do whatever it takes." If I gotta build something, I will build it. But you know, we want you there, and I'm sure that that lady that you guys uh, took over to the pellet line and fixed her up a uh, uh, a rest to shoot on stuff. I'm I'm absolutely positive that 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 y'all's efforts there weren't wasted. I, I'm 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 looking forward to hearing from uh, from Bob or whoever's uh, who's gonna pick her up uh, on seeing her uh, on the line because. Yeah, I know that she's going to follow up on it. Yep, I'd be very surprised if she did not go to a shoot. She she said she was very adventurous, and it's hard for her now to, to do the adventurous thing she wants to do. And so this was something she shot, she thought that she could do. So I, I would be surprised if she did not show up at some point to a shoot. Well, that's fantastic. Lots, lots of good... Americans and they, you know, they they appreciate our messages. It's very interesting. It happens at Appleseed shoots also, where people are very appreciative of what we do. But at these expos, you know, you're talking to them for five minutes, and they're just looking you dead in the eye and shaking your hand, saying thank you for what you're doing. I know. Um, yes. Uh, because that, like you said, they're 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 not the folks uh and of course I got jaded from like I said standing in front of uh, Sam's and Academy and Walmart and stuff like that and and 
trying to talk to people about it. And, and even, you know, everybody I see, I'm trying to do the elevator speech and stuff like that. But a, a good many of those folks, they're, they, they're, they're on to something else or they want to do something else or they're taking up their time or, or they could care less about it. And so it, it gets to be a, a little bit raggedy and, uh, and when we were in Mesquite and their folks were doing exactly what you said, they came there They came there to learn. They came there to learn about what they can do to help prepare themselves to, uh, to make it through different situations. And, and one of the things that was on their, on their mind was, was apple seed and, and, and learning how to shoot. And then whenever we do talk to them about the message, uh, about what we're trying to do, they they are very appreciative of it. And by gosh, that that was that was better than a ten dollar an hour paycheck. Uh, just a, a couple of folks who did the the shake and the look, you know. Well, yeah. for the for the local people, for the local people, this is if you get a chance to work with Jim and Kim on this, take it. Absolutely, take it. It's just absolutely amazing working with the kids on the line. It's fantastic working out in the booth, talking to the people about Appleseed. I mean, I learned so much from listening to Peter. Peter is really, really good. Mountain man prepper, he, he's fantastic. And there were all sorts of things in terms of that script about talking to people about Appleseed and how you talk about Appleseed. And it's going through it and going through it. The local people, this is a fantastic opportunity. We had... We had four people come out of our IBC. Uh, Tim was one of them, and uh, David uh, uh, Stitz is on the on the on the forum, and and Aggie. And this is a fantastic opportunity for IITs. Fantastic! Oh yeah. If you get, get, if you get a chance, their to do elevator it. speech and to get used to talk to folks. I mean, for the yeah, North Carolina can... people, get into get into this. Yeah, the really the way it works content. is you you come up with a you know something that you. For instance, you're an instructor, and you want to talk to people about Appleseed, but you're really not sure what to say, so you never do it. Um, right, right. If you come to one of these shows, we uh, I'd give a little spiel, you know, a two-minute thing before it starts and say, you know, all you have to do is say, have you heard about Appleseed? Would you like to? And here, Jim will tell you about it. And so you can just pass, until you're ready to say something, you just pass people on to another instructor. Well, once you're yeah. used to doing that a little bit, then you say, well, you know, we're about marksmanship, and let let Floyd tell you about the heritage part of it. So you can work into it. But by the end of the weekend, you've talked about Appleseed hundreds, 500 or more times, and you really get where you can talk to anybody you want, no matter who they are, about Appleseed, and it's not a big deal. Um, and so you can, even if you've never talked to anyone before, uh, well, for instance, Peter's uh, daughter, Megan, a 16-year-old, if I remember correctly. She's quite shy, and she didn't want to really talk to folks. But we got her doing the registration, and pretty soon she's telling everybody about Appleseed that's doing registration. Um, you know, that, and that is you know, a great part of that. I'm sorry? I said that's a, a great part of it. And and I, I thought about it peripherally, but I didn't really think about it that much. But, you know, that is a fantastic place. Uh, fantastic way for instructors, new instructors, stuff like that, and even older instructors that have been instructing for a long time, but they don't have it. They don't have their spiel down. It's certainly an excellent way to get it because 
like you said, they, they, if they, they talk to a person, they go, you know what, I should have said such and such to them. Well, here's your opportunity. Thirty seconds later, to to do that, to refine your your spiel and keep working at it. So, like you said, by the end of the event, uh, they've got a great uh, uh, elevator speech or a great understanding of how to explain Appleseed to yep. folks once Have they the other, get that out of the out of the expo. Another thing right. that is quite helpful is that there are a number of instructors saying the same message, but in different ways. And if you're not sure how to say something, you can just listen to another instructor and pick up, oh, I like how he said that, and I like how she said right. this part. And pretty soon, it's like you know, being an instructor where you're doing marksmanship instructor. You pick up a little bit from everybody, and you have your own unique thing that works real well for you. With, without, and doing it you know, in half a day, a couple of hours, and you're, you're, it's amazing how good uh, the instructors are. Yeah, you know, I will guarantee crash course in it. I will guarantee that everyone working the booth will walk away with more energy than they walked in. It charges yeah, your batteries. You're, yeah, you're tired. You're tired. <laughs> Pardon? I don't know if that's true. You walk away exhausted but excited, exhilarated. Excited. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I mean you're, you're tired, but you walk away with more than you walked in. Yes. Right. It's kind of like the way you feel after you run in a uh, – uh, you know, if you do a uh, a running gun or uh, uh, you know some kind of a, a physical event that you're you're tired after it, but you completed the event. You know, you had a good showing, you did a good job, and uh, it feels really good. Kim, were you in uh, your Revolutionary War attire? I was. It was brutally hot, but I Kim stayed in it the whole costume. time. Well, thank she you. Yes, you got a great costume. Matter of fact, you were standing by me for I don't know. 30 seconds or, or more while I was talking to somebody else, and uh, I kept, at the corner of my eye, I kept going, who is this? Who? Uh, uh, why, are they, why are they in this costume? Is there some kind of booth that does, like, I don't know, costumes or something like that? <laughs> I didn't even know it was you until I, until I finished talking to the person I looked at you, and I was like, oh, my gosh. But it was a great costume. It covers up all your hair and everything. You don't look like yourself anymore. <laughs> well, is there was a uh, was there uh, any chance to talk to? Did you guys get? Did they give you any stage time to talk to the uh, masses? Yeah, we got an hour on Friday, or fifty minutes to uh, uh, to talk. We I did uh, essentially the three strikes, but I I did them all as one story. Um, it's it's really tough to do all the strikes um, at, at one time, so the story of the whole day, and keep it interesting. Uh, so and, and also do it do it in the time frame. Um, so that's something I need to work on, uh, and I think everybody needs to work on that because it's at the library seeds. It's the same thing where you really uh, need to do the strikes quickly. You don't have the time luxury, even though we don't have any time at the shoots. We have even less time. But I talked to, we guessed 100 folks, uh, listened to the uh, three strikes and a couple of dangerous old people stories, uh, got to do an introduction, talk about what Appleseed was, what our goal was, that we're really about trying to change the country, save the country, and get it going in a better direction, whatever that means to them. And then also do a, a benediction of, you know, you can make a difference. Individuals made a difference. 
back in 1775, and individuals can make a difference today. Um, so, and I think that was uh, pretty well received. Well, you know, the thing is, since this isn't an apple seed, and you, you're talking about uh, Washington earlier, and you know, I've spoken to him a few times uh, over the last few years because I was I was hoping to work some way. Uh, to include him in an apple seed and stuff. The problem is, is when you have uh, uh, like celebrities or you're put into a whole different venue, uh, like the expo and stuff like that, it's a lot harder. Uh, you you got to tweak your game a lot more to make it work because the uh, the folks at the expo, they're not getting through with four hours of shooting or they want to take a break and sit still for a while and watch you or, or listen to you while they eat their lunch. They they That's need right. they're, they're, they're looking like at the next show. booth. Yeah, they almost need like a you know like some kind of a show to grab their attention and keep them rooted there. So you, so you have to alter your game wherever you are. You know whatever you're doing, you're going to have to alter your game to fit that situation. And uh, I thought you did a great job uh, in Mesquite. Uh, it, the thing yeah. is, I think in Mesquite is we had to put up with uh, uh, you guys. You guys were really bad because you had to fight that dog. And uh, yep. I'm telling you, uh, Jim and Kim had got to, they had one of these stages, and they were getting ready to do their presentation. And at the same time, here is the guard dog. And the guard dog had like a 5,000 decibel bark. And uh, when the dog started barking, you could just see. It was like uh, like somebody had yelled fire because uh, the people were all, uh, moving at wherever aisle they're in or everything else, they were just sucked over to that dog. And uh, so I know that you guys had a hard, hard time with that. I could, I could, from my position, I couldn't quite see you, but I could kind of see uh, like part of the dog area and stuff like that. And I saw everybody like facing a dog, and I was thinking, oh man, uh, I know yeah. that you're going to have a hard time fighting that. But that's one of the but things you, know, you have it's to, like you learn to deal with. It's like anything we do at Appleseed. Um, you deal with what you're handed, and you yeah. talk to the people who are listening. You know, and, it, yep. and it's no different than that. So it's, it, it might not be ideal, but it works. Right. Yes, ma'am. Um, something that the expo owners saw, and we saw it also, um, Beyond the Pale Horse, the DVD, that's where Washington was. It was a booth right next to us. And they right. came up with the idea that maybe at future expos they have a heritage section. So everyone having to do with heritage would be like us, Beyond the Pale Horse, the 57th Patriot, um, those things. Have them all together, some people in costumes, and have the stage right there in that area. And so that everyone's kind of drawing on everybody else. Could be a really neat idea. Oh, that does sound like a good idea. It does sound like so a good idea. I think we got yes. a, I think we got a lot of benefit from George Washington being next door. I think we did. I mean, that <laughs> and I think they got a lot of benefit from us. Well, that's yeah, true. I mean, absolutely. The the Appleseed booth was absolutely packed from sun up to sundown. I mean, it was just absolutely amazing the amount of people that were crammed in. The traffic through right. there was just astonishing. Right. I talked to Chuck, and he said that. Uh, he said that the the Appleseed booth was packed, and uh, and I don't remember what he said. I, I don't know that his sales were that great from the movie, but I, but here's the thing too: is I, I didn't see it. And I was hoping while I was I, I fully planned on being there. I, was, I had uh, uh, 
talked to Chuck about working with him to help get his space uh, set up better because he'd kind of tell me what he's doing. I said, well, I don't know about that. We, you know, but but he said that uh, the apple seed area was packed, and and I'm sure that George Washington uh, did draw the folks, and, which is one of the things that I was that I was kind of mentioning earlier is that you know I, I wanted to to have him work with the Appleseed uh, project here in Texas because he's, he's not too far from me, but it's trying to figure out a way to do it because when you have a celebrity or something, and this is one of the things that we were trying to work out with the Top Shot guys too, all the Top Shot guys from Texas, uh, because they all they all had all we had it worked out for them to come to an event. Uh, here in Davila and do a a shoot and stuff too. But when you have the celebrity and stuff, you can't just you can't say, okay, we'll just have the celebrity come to the apple seed and shoot just like everybody else. You you have to alter what you're going to do uh, for the benefit of both parties to make sure that apple seed gets the benefit of uh, of that celebrity being there and that the celebrity gets treated like a celebrity while they're there. And uh, so you, you have to you'll have to you have to keep tweaking things to make them work. Yeah, did, he, take some did he come over to the Appleseed booth and uh, and yeah, he shot he, and yeah, he shot with us. Um, got some pictures up on the forum of him shooting pellets and uh, and some things. Kim has a story of uh, a kid who shot and then. Uh, well, why don't you tell about uh, George Washington's interaction with this boy, Kim? Okay. Um... Well, a guy had come up to us. We had been passing out the constitutions, and he wanted to find out where to get more of them. And he said, because we teach heritage. And I said, well, you're going to love us then. And so I told him all about Appleseed, and he was just kind of astounded. He kept saying, wow, it's unbelievable. Are you kidding me? And so he's all excited, passed him off to Kirk to talk about the Texas shoots. His kids went to shoot on the pellet line. And after um, the kids were done, they kind of gathered around their dad, the man I was talking to, who is a Mercury One guy, and said, did you get that straightened out about the shoots? And he said, yeah, they said you could develop one because it's a road trip and they can be rustic and have primitive camping and be like the colonial. And I, I kind of leaned in and I said, General Washington is right behind you. He gives this weird look, and he whips around to find George Washington standing behind him, much, much taller than he is. And then um, General Washington said to one of the, his small kids, may I swear you in? So he raises his right hand, the little boy raises his right hand, and he swore him in to uphold and defend the Constitution. It was uh, one of those amazing moments. You know, that might be something uh, you'd have to find the person to do it, but to have somebody, uh, to have a counterpoint uh, to Kim, and have somebody either in, you know, uh, colonial, uh, the colonial uh, uniform or, uh, you know, a Morgan's uh, rifleman uniform or something like that with a uh, with a uh, Pennsylvania rifle or something like that to uh, to help tie it in. Although it sounds like you didn't need anything to make an extra draw. Uh, it sounds like you guys were wall-to-wall without uh, without anything but you just standing there. Hey, Scout, can I? Yes, uh, you were talking about helping uh, the other booth set up a little bit better. And while you're saying that, maybe it would be useful. I've got a couple of items that we found at these expos that help draw people into it. 
And so if there are other instructors who are going to gun shows or uh, homeschool, homeschool is another really, really good venue for Appleseed. But if you have a booth, um, most booths as you go by, people are sitting behind the table, and that's a barrier. What we do at the yeah. is we take the tables and move them against the wall, put things on the tables to draw people's attention, but we're standing in front of the table so there's nothing between us and the people who we're talking to. Um, seems to make a real big difference. Things like, you know, it's, it's fine to, to eat and drink, but don't do that in the booth. The booth is for talking for folks. Right, it's fine right. to sit down, but if you're sitting down, go sit someplace else. So the booth is only active talking to people. Um, and that seems to make a difference. We all wear uh, the same shirt. We, uh, we've got the, th- this time we had the tan polo shirts. And we all wore those shirts. Uh, so there's some continuity. So we look professional. We have, uh, we had, uh, for instance, we did the talk at, uh, uh, on Friday. And so we had, uh, we put together a poster that we had printed. Uh, I guess it was uh, either Office Depot or Office Max. It cost us 20 bucks to get this 24 by 30 inch poster professional quality uh, we, we do graphics design for um, on and off throughout my career uh, and it was mounted on foam core and it just looked like uh, well maybe I maybe Floyd should agree that it, <laughs> it looked professional but we had this sign that said we're doing this talk with the title at and had the time um, very nice presentation rather than uh, uh, you know sometimes you do need to scrawl on a whiteboard in in magic marker right, right. but the more professional you can uh, look, the more serious people will take you. Well, anyway, I th- there's some th- I, I, things I, like that that help. And I and I think the way Arlington went was just fantastic. I mean, the presentation for Appleseed there was just absolutely top top notch. I mean, I think yeah, it was nice having all of the Glenn Beck people coming through there. Um, Appleseed made a big impression. You know, with having the pellet line, there was a huge draw. That booth was just packed, absolutely packed. Well, we, we can't ask for more than some that. Way to, some way to to tag the people who went to the who went to the expos that you guys are going to. Some way to tag them so that when they show up at an event, that we can uh, we can kind of follow their trail because I, I think that would. I think that would help us. I, personally, I know that uh, until we get some data, that everything is just anecdotal as far as right. what this does or anything. But I can, I, I got to tell you that I know without a doubt that uh, it's it, it, it's the best way that I know of to to get the information out to as many people as possible on the, in that kind of a venue that there is, because there's no other place. Uh, that you're able to reach that many folks uh, in the correct target audience. Not even at the NRA convention. You go to an NRA convention, and you've got uh, you've got tons of other instructors and everybody else who is who is guarding their uh, their little uh, piece of pie. Uh, but the expos are wide open, and the homeschools. Because homeschools are another just a, a perfect. Yep. A way to to get in touch with the folks. Now the homeschoolers have conventions and stuff too. Have y'all uh, have y'all been to a homeschoolers convention yet? 
Yeah, we did a pellet line, 10 pellet guns, at a homeschool convention in Denver. Uh, Kim will correct my numbers because I always get them wrong. So how many, what were they, 5,000 attendees? There were five or 6,000 is what they told us. Yep, and we, that, they, it, it didn't work the same as an expo for various reasons. There was a little bit of miscommunication in, in what we were doing uh, or how we wanted to do things. But we still had hundreds of people shoot pellet guns. They gave us uh, two different stage times, so we were able to uh, talk to a total of, I guess we figured about 350 people. Uh, one day we did the the three strikes, and the next day we did just dangerous old men and women. Uh, but a total of 300 people who sat and listened to us uh, for those things. And I was going to say, a different, uh, maybe a different way that I look at it, Scout, is that if your criteria is how many people do you get to a shoot, that's uh, that's a great criteria, but I would also look at how many people just in the 10 minutes or so that they talked to us changed how they're going to act. Maybe they're going to, and we have no way to track that either, but maybe somebody who was thinking, you know, I, I'm sick of all this stuff. I can't make a difference anyway, and we give them a little a 10-minute talk about what Appleseed is. We're a message of hope. That's how we look at it. We're out there. We're not complaining about stuff. We're trying to make a difference, and it's one of the few opportunities that people to hear that message. And so it even if we only talk up. to them for – go ahead. Uh, it, it lights people up. Yep. And if, even if we only talk to them for five minutes and they get the message that the country could be moving in a better direction if people would stand up and do something. Then well, you're absolutely we've, right. We've, and we've done what ahead. we need to do. It's not maybe not as effective as being at a shoot, but we just the fact that people get hope and say, yeah, maybe I can make a difference, which, again, we could never track. But, you know, if, if that's what they get out of it, that five minutes was worth almost a whole apple seed if they actually go and do right. something. Well, well, you're absolutely right. And, you know, it, and I was thinking about this a while ago when I first brought up the tracking thing and, and then when you were talking about the kids too. And if you can track it, Great, uh, because that helps you know on a different level, a different venue. That means if you if you see that this is doing uh, uh, you know is doing a great job uh, on a level that, that you can plot track, that means you can aim more funds at it. You know we can get uh, that's right more teams up and running stuff. But at the at its very heart, the what I try and tell people, especially new uh, instructors and stuff like that is that the whole reason that this is called the Appleseed Project is because that's what we're doing. And we're doing it in the same vein that Johnny Appleseed did. That means that you can't count your success by talking to, to ten people and seeing that five of them or one of them or none of them show up at an event, especially if none of them show up at an event. You still can't count that uh, as a failure because we're doing the exact same thing that Johnny Appleseed did. Whenever he went out across the nation sowing the apple seed, he didn't know which ones were going to grow and which ones weren't. He didn't sit there, put it in the ground, and lovingly water it and take care of it so that at the end of uh, several years of him sitting there babying it, that a, a piece of fruit would drop into his mouth. He scattered the seeds out, and he had no idea where, which ones were going to grow and which ones weren't. But that's right. what the same thing that we're doing. We're planting these seeds. Now, we don't know where they're going to go. We don't know 
what the effect that we're going to be having on them, and for us to to become discouraged because we don't see an immediate benefit or an immediate uh, uh, rise in the number of folks that show up, that's not a failure because we're still planting these seeds in folks, and, and they may show up five years or ten years down the line. That's right. It reminds me of a story I heard somewhere where you sow seeds and some of it falls on some bad soil and it doesn't grow, and then some of it falls in the weeds and it starts to grow and it, it gets choked out, but some of it grow, uh, lands on fertile soil. And you uh, uh, you get uh, growth and and you get fruit from that, and that's kind of what we're doing. We we can't control how people react to our message. We can do better. Uh, so we can always do better at presenting our message, and we should strive for that. But it's not up to us how people respond to the message we have. It's our job to send that and put that message out so they at least have a chance to respond to it. Right. But the the, the product that you have is that uh, by taking uh, taking the opportunity to work at a venue like this, is that uh, you already have uh, 90% of the rocks and brush removed and the soil's already been turned over once, and it's just it's waiting for the seed to hit. So Absolutely. That's, that's the pro of doing these events here because you're, it's filled up with a target audience. So i got to say that my faith is always, when I, when I didn't get the flood of people, Right after the uh, the it was February, right the February that well, yeah. I didn't get the flood of people yeah. right after that. At first, I was a little bit concerned, but then I said, you know, I I don't know why I'm thinking like this because all throughout my my apple seed uh, exposure, uh, I I get people all the time on the line because I always ask uh, I'll, I'll ask at every event uh, a detailed uh, interrogation of each of the attendees of how they heard of that apple seed and what was it that caused them to finally flip the switch and go. Because a lot of the people, uh, the majority is still word of mouth, which is exactly what you guys were, were putting out there. Word of mouth is the main thing. But word of mouth is the most, uh, it's the, 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 the way that doesn't require any additional exposure. Uh, they get to hear the, that the apple seed is a good project from a friend or a trusted relative they trust them, and they go to it. But you get lots Again, of people that say, oh, well, I don't, I don't remember exactly where I heard about it, but I heard about it somewhere, and I finally decided that this is what I needed to do. So, yep. And, one, you know, we do have a little bit of uh, data, if you will, is that when we did the pellet gun line in Salt Lake City, the next two shoots in that area sold out and they normally did not. And now a lot of their shoots are selling out. And I, um, So I think that at least the next two shoots you could attribute probably to the expo. Also, when we were down in Mesquite, if I remember correctly, when you were, uh, uh, some of the, the Texas folks were signing people up online um, at that shoot, telling them, you know, you better sign up now because it's going to sell out. And you could correct me, I think those two shoots, sold, the next two shoots sold out before the expo was over. Right. We actually... Um, we- we we saw a good number of people coming into shoots off of the expo. Uh, I had a, I had a number of people up in McKinney. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we we we've seen some results now coming out of the Arlington. Uh, we had one range, the Parker County range. Uh, we made a direct contact with them. They came up at the shoot and said. We need to schedule an apple seed out there. We've got a guy that will be going out to do to, to schedule that. 
I'm currently in contact with a homeschooler out in uh, out in uh, in that area, and she says she's got contacts that could probably fill two apple seeds, you know, two lines just from her homeschool group. So we're seeing some direct results out of this. Uh, I know that Steve Raby out of Houston talked to a number of people out of Houston at the Arlington event. Right. Yep. I was talking to him today, and he, he said, yeah, he goes, that uh, a lot of folks came up to him and said, man, we really need one in Houston. And, of course, that's no, no, nothing new to me because I've been trying to crack the Houston nut since uh, since the beginning of 2007, and I still have not found a good way to get into the Houston area. You think that with these large cities that you'd say, well, with a city of 6 million people, man, there must be a lot of ranges. And there is, but there are. They're indoor ranges, they're pistol ranges, they're very small ranges. There are, there are very few that have multiple bays and stuff like that. And even the guys I talked to in Houston that said, man, it sounds like a great program, they're, in the next sentence they said, but I can't do it because uh, since the – and this I'm not telling anybody anything they don't know, since the Obama elections – it says our lines have been filled up on the weekends, and, and while we would love to have you come and do this, because of the fact that you have to control the entire range, we can't alienate our uh, our customers. And I said, well, like, well, look, you, you know how you know how forgetful Americans are. I said, in a few months, those guys will forgot why they were going to the range, and Appleseed will still be here every month. Because I know he's, I just can't do it, and that was uh, that's something I got from the majority of the ranges. But yeah. that doesn't yeah. mean that you shouldn't be trying to find uh, a range every every three to six months. You should be going back through your list and trying again. But the other side of that is we have a a range here in Colorado. Um, in fact, it's the shoot uh, the range where Kim and I went to our first apple seed shoot, and Kim and I happen to be members of the range, but. You know, they we had to share berms and we had to, you know, schedule around their different Ipsics and, you know, cowboy shooters and all kinds of stuff. Right, right. And they got tired of doing that, so they built us our own berm. And it's covered 100 <laughs> foot long uh, with a, a wooden uh, platform, uh, you know, it's, it's a, so we can accommodate a bunch of shooters, 25 meter range. And then, because they wanted to... To put some other berms up, they put another six berms up, and because for specialty things, um, and Appleseed can use those at any time we want. So if you well, can break into a range, and uh, and we have several ranges that are just you know they like what Appleseed is, and they will work with you. In this particular, well, this is the, the the best that I've ever heard of, and you know we've so we've got berms that we can use. We're going to use them this weekend for a lady seat. We're just set aside. It has its own clubhouse. Um, well, you're absolutely right because uh, Floyd can tell you you've got the same success story there in Dallas. Went to the uh, uh, to the range there in Dallas to uh, I can't think of the name of it. What's the name of the range there? Uh, Quail Creek. Quail Creek. Went to Quail Creek. The folks there at Quail Creek were so impressed. They did the same thing. They said, "Look, we're we're, we're going to build you your own range because we were using I think uh, the police range, the law enforcement range, or something down at one end." The problem that with was that awful. is we were right on top of the uh, the handgun range. So you had all the dirty Harrys right, uh, you know, 20 feet from us, which caused a, a lot of problems, uh, you know, throughout the whole day because it's very hard to to teach during an instructional period 
when you have uh, 20, 30 feet away, you've got, uh, you know, 15 or 20 handguns uh, rolling. But once again, you, just, you have to adapt. You have to try and, and squeeze the instruction into the times when, you're, when you see them uh, uh, calling a ceasefire to go and, and pull targets. You immediately stop and go into a, uh, an instructional period. But now they have so, their, own, their own range built there. So, yep. so Kirk, Kirk, Kirk just posted a great idea on the uh, on the uh, blog, on the chat thing. If you gave out a uh, if you gave out a pr- promo code during the event so that people could use with the Eventbrite for a discount, mm-hmm. you could basically track the signups on Eventbrite with the uh, promo code and see who is signing up with Eventbrite based on the contacts at the uh, at the uh, uh, expo. I mean, I, right. That sounds that's, like that's a great idea. Beginning. You give somebody like a five or ten dollar off, and they they present that at their sign up, you know, and they get the uh, they get the discount as long as they promote they provide the the sign up code that you gave them at the uh, at the expo, then we'll be able to track them, you know. Right. And I mean, I think I, it sounds like maybe something we need to think about. It sounds like a really good idea. Well, I don't think that I don't think that uh, that there'd be any problem with it because it's this isn't uh, we're not opening up a new free zone or anything else. We're actually we're just doing a uh, uh, a promotions task, and that is finding out uh, you know what what kind of bang we're getting for a buck. At least uh, a small part of it, because like what we just discussed a minute ago, you're not gonna, you're never going to find the full impact. You guys talking to that kid. You don't know what impact you had on him and how it's going to turn out in in one month, in one year, in five or ten years, what that effect that's going to have. But I can tell you it's going to have a pretty amazing effect because Kim took the boy from from being a, a firearm scaredy cat to being uh, sure of himself, to be confident, and to be happy that he'd engage in it. That's a huge sea change. In ten minutes, right here, it, it's so weird you can know. affect somebody in ten minutes and change be potentially life changing for them. Well, we'll never know amazing. exactly all of the stuff that we have, but I think that, that would be a great way. Uh, that would be a great thing to put on there is to talk to uh, talk to the the boss and stuff and say, look, let us have a uh, let us have a ten dollar discount or something. That way, we'll get to track some of the uh, some of the folks, you know. Well, the most amazing thing for me about the whole weekend, and I mean it was an astonishing weekend, was how much change I saw in the kids with just five pellets. A lot of those kids came in, they'd never touched a gun, and in five pellets they were involved. It was amazing how much change I saw in those kids in five pellets. This is a really good thing y'all are doing. Jim and Kim. I mean, it's just, and the local people get behind it. Get get out there and get on the line. This is fantastic. This is right. Well, that's the exact target audience that I always tell people that we're that we're we're trying to shoot for because those kids that are just getting introduced to it. You know, when I was a kid, uh, everybody shot. All the other kids, even even the girls. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean even the girls were out there shooting when they were young. Everybody shot. Uh, and now I still live rurally, but 
you go to the kids now, and the majority of them have never touched a firearm. And what that means is that these eight, nine, and ten year olds, in uh, in eight years, they're going to be of voting age. And when some kind of a discussion comes up on on firearms, they're not going to they're going to be neither here nor there. They don't have a dog in that hunt, and that's a dangerous thing. So every single time you that you could do what what you did, Kim, which is uh, which is change uh, a, a person's attitude from fear and apprehension to an understanding uh, uh, of the tool that you're using, then there's another person that there's a good chance that they're that they're going to fall on the side uh, where we'd like them to be, where their nation and, is to be. You know, and that's just a story that I was involved in. Every instructor there that was helping kids shoot for the very first time, they all have a piece in those lives too. The very same story. Everyone did right. good. Right, and you and you get the same thing at at the majority of the shoots that you go to. There have been a few shoots where, but very very few, where the whole crew, I was ready to fire them. Uh, you know. All the people that showed up at an event, I was ready to fire every one of them. But that's that's hardly ever true. There's almost always somebody at that event, uh, and usually it's multiple somebodies, that you know you made a difference. You made a difference. And you can certainly tell on Sundays because the folks that are there at uh, 5.30 on Sunday, they didn't race to their car to drive off. They're, they, they're still there. They go help you do the cleanup and then... Uh, and a lot of times I'll I'll have those folks come over and stand with me while I'm doing uh, like kind of the public uh, after action. Uh, you know, I, we can do a public and a private uh, kind of after action after the shoot. I'll have them come and stand there and listen to the uh, public after action to because they want to be there, they want to be involved, and they want and, and I'm hoping that we're drawing them in. So. Every time you you interact with folks at an apple seed or, or at an expo, you're you're doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing, which is planting the seed. So, and you guys did an absolutely fantastic job, uh, and I'm really glad that there were so many more. What about the the number of attendees? And I, I know the difference between Mesquite and uh, Arlington. What about the number of attendees that you see at some of the other locations at Salt Lake City or? Uh, uh, Denver. They seem to be somewhere around five to six thousand. Uh, and City this was, was actually over ten. Okay. Yeah, that one was an exception. Yeah, that was a bigger one. Um, yeah, that's a lot of people. When you're at a booth talking to everybody who comes by, it's it's like I don't, I really couldn't tell you how many people I talk to. It's it's not what you're trying to keep track of. You're just trying to get to the next person, talk not not leave the person you're talking to, finish finish that conversation, but always looking there's somebody else who I need to get to, and you go talk to that person or that group of people if you can, um, talk to folks and and then you know they get a brochure and how do I sign up? Here's the web page and you're on to the next person, and you're only seeing. The people I only see the people I talk to. I am aware that there's lots of folks around, but it, it's I think it's impossible to get an idea 
while you're in a booth, how many people are coming through. Um, and I wish I right. could. And you, you know, and, we don't want to take a person it. and say, you count, you count everybody who comes by in a booth, <laughs> because that's hundreds of people we're not talking to, because that person right. can talk to the people. And so, right. um, keep one of those, keep one of those bus clickers in your hand and just click it with that's your right. Yeah. Yeah. I talk to Every time to make yeah. us buy. But listen, what you could just you two guys, uh, and with and whatever volunteers you have to help you with the expo, you think about this. So with the numbers you just gave me, in one year, uh, you guys have the ability uh, to to expose uh, you know a hundred thousand people. To the project, and you know, and help us well on our way toward uh, some of the very near future goals that we have. I mean, that's yep. This is a great um, opportunity for the target audiences. So Scott, we have. Can I tell you, speaking of, can I tell you about our next event? Yeah, I can do it. Um, it's not solid yet. It's pretty solid. We're getting final approvals on the pellet lines. Some people had some concerns. The venue says it's okay. The the expo operator says it's okay, and now we need to get the city approval on it. Um, but it will be the Survival Expo in Las Vegas, August 31st to September 2nd. Um, 80 to 100,000 people are coming through, and we get wow. a free booth there and stage time and, so that, and the pellet that line. That would draw. Yep, that will draw. And so if, if the instructors that are listening, we could use instructors from Southern California from Nevada, from Arizona, maybe even all the way from New Mexico, maybe Utah, um, because Las Vegas draws from all those areas. And right. if if uh, states are, you know, if they can be there, they can schedule shoots a couple weeks afterwards somewhere and, and pretty much have a full line without uh, too much extra effort. Um, so that's an opportunity. Um, right, and, and there's like, also... Like, you know, there's also uh, uh, there are other organizations. I don't know, not very many, and I don't think any that uh, are doing as big as uh, Ron Scott's. But there are other uh, uh, like prepping and survival type. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, well, there's a, and stuff. Popular Mechanics is starting to do preparedness shows. Right. Right, they and we have several months ago. That's right. We've been so, invited to have pellet gun line at those, and so when we get uh, a schedule, it, it's Kim and I cannot do expos every weekend. We've we've got right. a business, a uh, home business. We have to make some money, but there's an oper- There will be more opportunities, I think, to and really, what is the draw? What makes us different from everybody else is the pellet guns. It's a very strange thing. Um, but it's something for people to do. Most booths at expos don't have that kind of thing. And so uh, we could see that uh, another uh, couple of folks could maybe, I don't know, take a uh, work with another organization that does expos and have their own pellet gun line that they take around. And we would be really glad to train them how to do that. I was going to say, that's what we need is for you to, is, as you guys to start training now, start training your uh, uh, your minions so that, uh, because I, because like you said, you, you have you have a career and you have things you got to do, which means, and I think I said this when I was introducing you guys, is that uh, you're, you, and because of what you told me, that you and Kim have this time available right now in your life that you can do this, right? And that's, that's great. Right. 
you know, but you may not always have that. So we need to get you need to to whip up some of your minions into shape so that uh, they can be ready for for you to uh, send them out into the expo world to do this because it's it's just such a great it's just, it's a target audience all brought under one roof. So you don't have to go out driving around and posting a flyers. They're all going to walk by the booth. So uh, I can't think of a better a better venue. But each and every one of you guys, uh, in whatever state you're in, you should be having your eyes peeled for these. And, and you know, gun shows can work, too. It's a little bit harder not to crack. But a lot of the gun shows, because you're a nonprofit, they'll give you a table. So uh, take a look at the gun shows that you're having. Take a look at any of the uh, the, the survival or prepping uh or even some of the expos that are like uh, that have that as part of their venue. Take a look at concentrating some of your effort there because, uh, like I said, if, if they've already gone through the trouble of distilling down uh, the audience and the attendees and, and getting to down to the uh, getting down to the target audience for you. So be sure and take a look at, at any of those that are happening anywhere around you. And where's the next one? Okay, you said the next one was at Salt Lake City, uh, August 31st. Uh, Las Vegas. Try. I'm sorry? Las Vegas. Las, Las Vegas. Las, Las Vegas. Oh, man. That's got to be And then um, September 14th, 15th, we're going to North Carolina for Self-Reliance Expo. Then October 26th and 27th, we're going to Mesa, Arizona for Self-Reliance Expo. And then through contacts made at this um Arlington Expo, someone offered us, he said, you've got all the room you want. I want your pellet line there. And if we don't know um, all the details, but he's in Arizona. Um, it's a November prepping show, and he said six to 10,000 people coming through. So these expos give us more contacts to do this kind of thing. Right, and even though it's even though it's six to 7,000 people, which is in, in itself is a large amount, uh, the, the thing that folks have to remember is that it's not – it's not six and seven thousand uh cross section of American society. They like I said, they've already distilled down. That six and seven thousand is the equivalent of you uh oppressing flesh with about a uh, hundred thousand uh of the regular public. Or even more than that really, because my the returns that we're getting back on flyers and handshake and stuff was about one percent. About one out of a hundred that uh that would actually show up now. So this is a great way to do it. Well, listen, I want to thank you guys uh, for giving the time to come and talk about this. And I want to thank you guys for, for taking the time out of your lives and doing this. Jim and Kim uh, from Colorado, they're on the expo line, and then Floyd and the rest of the uh, the folks that were there to help out. I know you guys brought a bunch of your crews uh, down as volunteers, and then uh, the, the Texas volunteers that helped. Uh, I certainly appreciate uh, all of the effort that you guys are doing, and I hope that you will come back on the show after the uh, uh, the August event, and let me know how that went. Be glad to. All right. Yeah. The, well, thank we you, everybody. Bring a, okay. Thank thanks you, Scott. everybody. And, uh, uh, we're running out the last few seconds, so thanks everybody, and uh, we'll see you next uh, Thursday, 7 p.m. Central. All right. God bless and uh, keep all you close.
Good smoke, but why not? 